Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. A seed is a picture of potential. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, the the older I get, I guess the more urgent I got to get about potential because I got less time to fulfill it. Uh, But, you know, growing up, you think about what you wanted to be. I I don't know if you know this. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an NFL running back. And so just you can hold back your laughter right now. I'd appreciate that. Kind of look at that. And I kind of realized once I started playing more football, that that wasn't really for me. I wasn't very big in high school. And the thing is, I was small, but what people didn't realize is I was slow. And so um, being an NFL running back didn't really pan out. So I decided if I couldn't play, that I would coach. And so I got all excited about that. Man, I was great potential as a coach. And I, I was talking to somebody, what do you want to do? And he was a coach. And I said, I think I want to coach. They said, well, man, the best thing to do if you want to coach is to make, when you get to, to school, to college, major in math, because they're always looking for math teachers. And so I decided I wasn't going to be a coach because math wasn't really my strong suit. I did so good my senior year, they almost asked me back for another year of high school. And so... Um, that was really, so then I said, okay, I can't play and I can't coach. And I decided that, I, you know what, maybe I'll be a sportscaster. And so I actually started LSU in broadcast journalism. I was going to be this, I thought, man, it's great, the football games and all that. And then one day I got to meet a local sportscaster here. And I thought, man, this is incredible. And I was talking to him. He said, what do you want to do? I said, man, I'd like to be a sportscaster. And he was like, say that again? And he was listening to my voice. And I don't know if it squeaked or, or what. And I was like, I, I want to be a sportscaster. He's like, well, man, I'd, I'd have a backup plan if I were you. And I was like, man, you don't understand. I'm on plan C right now. I don't know what's next. But here's the thing. Got more people listening to me today than ever listen to him anymore. So, yeah. And I say that in a completely humble Christian way. I mean, I, in, the, in the love of Jesus. I'm just kidding. Hey, so as we talk about this series on seeds, one of the most exciting things we can talk about is potential. And Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to that. And it says in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says, here is another illustration. I'm glad that Jesus uses pictures. Jesus was a great communicator and, and kind of brings it home. Here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of God is like. Now, if you stop right there, you would think, man, something incredible is coming after this. The kingdom of God is like a lion roaring through the jungle. Or the kingdom of God is like a castle full of gold and just something huge and majestic and exciting, you know, getting people fired up. Here's what Jesus said. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. I I don't know what a mustard seed is. I don't understand that. I, I didn't know that mustard came from seeds. I don't know why they needed mustard in the first century if they didn't have hot dogs and sausage. There's no need for mustard. Literally, I don't know what a mustard plant looks like, anything like that, but I'm gonna stick with it because it's Jesus. And so it says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all the seeds. Now, here's the thing, and this is what I think is interesting. You know, you would think when Jesus say the kingdom of God is like, it would be something huge. And then he talks about something completely opposite of what we expect. How many of you have found out that God's plan for your life doesn't look like what you thought it would look like? 
You thought it was gonna be one thing, you were ready for Jesus to kind of do this, and then he goes to like the mustard seed plan, planted in a field, the smallest of all the seeds. And you're saying, God, this is really not what I thought was gonna happen. But then Jesus says a great word. It's one of the greatest words in the Bible, and this is probably one of the only times that you can say this out loud in church, all right? So he says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed planted in the field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, What does he say? But, But, all right, you can say that in church. Come on, let's do it again. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but, and it's so great when God brings a but into our life. And I gotta be careful how we say this right now. I know some people are getting nervous, but sometimes our life is going one way and we're waiting for God to say, okay, that is true, but it becomes the largest of all the garden plants. It grows into a tree and the birds come and make nests in its branches. And what God is saying is the kingdom of God never looks like you think it's gonna look. It doesn't go like you think it's gonna go. It doesn't follow our plans. It is completely unexpected and unexpected in a way that nobody notices. That doesn't seem important, but God takes what is there and he makes something that's better than we ever could have imagined. And we get in this series on seeds, we need to understand that we all have great potential in our life. God has created every single one of us with greater potential than we ever could have imagined. And Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter two. It's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, favorite passages. In Ephesians chapter two, Paul says this. He starts off talking about salvation. He says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Now, Paul's about to talk about our potential in God, but before he talks about our potential, he talks about our salvation, because salvation is the foundation for everything else that God wants to do in our life. And so he says, look, before you can get to anything else, before you can run, you gotta learn how to walk, all right? Before you can spell, you gotta learn your ABCs, you gotta learn your alphabet. So before we get to anything else, first of all, we gotta have the correct picture on salvation. We are saved by grace. And that means, grace means we don't deserve it. We are, we do not, we have not earned anything. We couldn't be good enough. Now the good news when you can't be good enough is that you can't be bad enough either to lose it. And so he says, we are saved by grace and it's not by our works and we can't boast about it and we could spend the rest of our life thanking God for saving us from hell, from giving us access to heaven and a relationship with him and and we still could never thank him enough. But Paul goes on from there. And one of the things that will kill our potential in God is when we get saved and we think that's the end of the journey. What Paul is saying here in Ephesians chapter two is that is really the beginning. So he he talks about that. He says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. And this is a great phrase. For we are God's masterpiece. Isn't this so much fun than being a mustard seed? Masterpiece is way more fun than being a mustard seed. But we're both at the same time. He says, we are God's masterpiece. I want you to know that you are God's masterpiece this morning. You may not feel like it, but God has created you exactly like he wants you. God has positioned you exactly where he wants you. And and, and Paul goes on to talk about what he's done it for. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So that, say so that. So that, and that's an important phrase. 
we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. And one of the things that will kill our potential in God and keep us from realizing everything God has created us for is when we think salvation is the end of the journey. And so then our story in God is we used to be this way and then God saved me from all that and then now I'm waiting on him to come back. That's not God's plan for our life. If the only reason God saved us was so that we could go to heaven, then he should have just taken us right there at the altar. He sh- but he didn't do that. He left us here, why? Because he understood, it says the good things that he planned for us to do long ago, long before we were ever born, God created us for something amazing, something great. And I love the way I heard one guy say it. He says, every Christian should have two testimonies, what God saved us from and what God saved us for. And we should be able to tell both, God saved us from this. And if we were to go around, I'm not gonna ask you to do this, we're not gonna put a mic in your face and say, what has God saved you from? Now we could all say sin, and then every single one of us has got kind of our own little individual list. Some lists are longer than others, Pastor David Ray, but I'm just kidding. But we could all talk about what God has saved us from. And look, I don't wanna diminish that. That is the greatest thing in the world, and we should worship him every single day for that. But if our only testimony is what God has saved us from, then we're still just a mustard seed planted in a field. We never become what God created us to do. So we should have a testimony of what God has saved us from, but then also what God has saved us for. And look, God wants you to find that. It's the reason you were created. It's the reason he saved you. And and it may be to reach your family, to reach community, to reach people that have gone through the same thing that you've gone through. And we all find it in our so that. God wants us to find our so that. I was saved from this so that I could do this. And then when we're living that, when we're living who God created us to be, we understand this is why God did all that in the first place. He did all that so that I could do this. But here's the other thing it does for us. I went through all that so that I could help somebody with this. Because when it says that we are his masterpiece, you may look at your life, man, I look at my life and be like, I can see where some of this is a masterpiece. But some of this over here, you know, he did the masterpiece and maybe I scribbled on it or, you know, I I don't know, God can't use this. That's not true. Everything about me, God can use. And I'm not saying that everything about me is good, but some of the, the things in my life that I don't like about myself, God put them there so that I could help somebody else go through the same thing. And I would say this, God has not only created you as he wanted, so you could do the good things he planned for you long ago, God has positioned you where he wants you so that you could do the good things that he planned for you long ago. And look, for some of us, that's not a great word. I don't wanna think that God has positioned me here. I'm not where I wanna be, maybe physically, maybe just in this stage of my life. I don't wanna be here, but the truth is, somebody else is gonna go through there too. And we can say, man, God positioned me there so that I can help somebody else go through this. And I only live my potential in God when I understand God saved me from this so that he could save me for this. And I am living what God saved me to do. Now, here's the hard part. Potential with it comes with the idea, and we're gonna say a bad word in church, but get ready, of patience. How many patience is a four letter word for you? I am one of, if not the most impatient person that I know. I don't like lines. 
I don't like traffic. I mean, nobody likes traffic. I just, I, 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 I can't, I don't like locked doors. I don't like to take the time to put the key in and turn it. My family will tell you, I just, I wish every door was open. I don't understand that. And so I just, I, I'm so impatient, but potential by its very nature carries with it the idea that there's gotta be some patience before potential come, becomes reality. Does that make sense? It's gonna take time from my save from till I realize my save for. And look, patience by definition means I'm somewhere I don't wanna be doing something I don't wanna be doing. Patience is not fun. Patience is it's, it's hard to go through, but we've gotta have patience in order to get to where God wants us to be. Look at what James says in James chapter five. Now, if you don't know, we did a series on James a couple months ago, I can't remember exactly when, but uh, we talked about how James was Jesus' brother. I think James was Jesus' annoying little brother, just by reading this verse, because you can hear probably the voice he spoke with, all right? James chapter five, uh, be patient therefore, brothers. That's just how I hear it when he's saying it. Be patient therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, until God does what he wants to do in your life. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it. Look at this until it receives the early and the late rains. So here's what's interesting, what he's saying is, a farmer can plant the seed, but there's only so much he can do. He's gotta wait for the environment to develop in it what it needs to be. And just like a farmer plants the seed and then waits for the rain, we do our part, but then we've gotta be patient while God is setting up the environment for us. Because we, we can plant the seed, we can't send the rain. And so James is telling us we have to be patient before God does in our life what we want him to do. And he says, uh, receives the early and the late rains. He says, you also be patient. And, and so here's what I think is so important when we talk about potential. And look, Ephesians 2, 8 and 10 to me is so exciting. You are God's masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus so that you could do the things he planned for you long ago. That is so exciting. But potential requires patience and patience means I'm in this in between time. And the in between time can be so difficult because we're waiting and there comes a point, the hardest part of life is when you're tired, but you still can't see the finish line. You ever been there before? I was reading the other day uh, about a how to run a marathon. I'm not gonna run, let me just set that straight real quick. I'm not gonna run a marathon. My exercise program consists of, if I can keep this bigger than this, then I'm okay, all right? <laughs> I tell you, my abs are kind of like Bigfoot. Some people believe they exist. Nobody's ever actually seen them, all right? And I'm good with that. So I was reading about a marathon. I'm not running a marathon. But here's what it said. It said the hardest part of a marathon is about the 18th mile because you're completely exhausted, but you can't see the finish line. At the beginning, you can't see the finish line, but you're excited. You've got energy. But somewhere in the middle, you've expended all your energy and you still can't see the finish line. The 26 mile, you're exhausted, but at least you know it's almost over. The hardest part of life is when you're tired, but you don't know when it's gonna end. Has anyone ever been there before? That's the hardest part to push through. And that's where patient, in fact, the Bible uses this phrase a lot, patient endurance. Because there's a lot of excitement at the beginning. And we talk about God's plan for our life. And maybe there was a point in your life where you got excited about what God was doing in your life. Maybe he placed a dream in your heart that, man, I'm gonna go after that. Or maybe you saw some change in your life you'd never seen before. You heard a message or there was a service and man, you get all excited and that lasts for about two days. 
and then the excitement goes away. If I'm gonna fulfill my potential in God, I've got a way to find energy when the excitement is gone. That's what patience really is, finding energy when the excitement is gone. And that's gonna require me to have the right perspective. And so I I thought about three things, three types of perspective we need to have if we're gonna have the patience that we need to achieve the potential that God has placed inside of us. And I think it's this, number one, it's thinking development, not deliverance. To think development, not deliverance. Let's be honest, we all want deliverance. We all want God to get us out of a bad situation and put us into a good situation. There's no shame in that, all right? That's something that we all want. But if God created us to do the great things that he planned for us, he's gotta develop us first. And in God's mind, our development takes priority over our deliverance. And and that's why, and don't tell anybody I said this, but that's why so often I get frustrated at God because he's not doing the things that I wanna do. I know I'm here and I wanna get to here and God is not helping me move in that direction and if he would just get with my program, we can get through this thing. It's taking way too long, God. You you know, I feel like he keeps getting distracted and getting me into all these other things. Of course I'm being facetious here, so I don't want anybody to walk out. But that's why, that's sometimes my frustration what makes patience so much harder is because, I mean, I'm just trying to get delivered from where I am. And, look, and sometimes, I, I don't think God's rude, but I think God's truthful. I think sometimes if I could hear God's audible voice, he would say, look, I don't care about your deliverance right now. All I care about is your development. And, and so that's gonna help me be patient in that in-between time. Because if I'm looking for deliverance, when it doesn't come, I'll quit. But if I understand this moment is about my development, it gives me the energy to keep going. If I can understand each moment is really preparation for a greater moment in the future. This moment is really preparation for a more significant, a more meaningful moment, a more crucial moment in the future that this moment, as hard as it is, it's gonna prepare me for. And that's why I push through now so that I can push through later when it really counts. And Romans chapter eight, verse 28, I think it's one of the most important man, one of the best verses in the Bible. It says this, it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. That's an exciting verse until you stop and pay attention to everything that Paul just said. Look at it, he says, and we know, let's break it down a little bit, that God causes everything to work together. I don't want things to work together. I want things to come together. If you were in my you know, house listening to my prayers, I'm usually praying that God will make things just come together. Lord, can you make this just come together? I just, it's all scattered. I can't figure it out, Lord. And you just make it all come together. And here's what I think God would tell me. I'm not gonna make it come together but I'm gonna make it work together. And here's where it gets even harder. And I'm gonna make all things work together. Cause what I'm praying is Lord, can you make these things come together and can you get these things out of my life? I don't wanna deal with those anymore. And God says, you know, you don't understand. I'm gonna make all things. I'm gonna make the things you enjoy, the things that you like, the things that you're excited about. I'm gonna make those work together for you, but I'm also take some of these things that are painful 
Some of these things you wish had never happened. In fact, here's what's so good about God. God says, I'm gonna even take some of the decisions you made that were completely out of my will. Times that we were rebellious and did the opposite of what we were supposed to do. God says, I can even take that. I'm gonna take all things in your life, the good and the bad, the comfortable and the painful. I'm gonna take all that and it's not gonna come together like you wanted it to, but I'm gonna make it work together for the good. See, I want it to come together so I can feel good. God's gonna make it work together for the good of myself and someone else. Because look at what he says. He says, it's good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. See, yesterday we were doing some things around the house and um, I got real spiritual for a moment and I called my son out because the trash needed to go outside. And so I called him for my purpose for him. He was on the Xbox. He didn't want to take out the trash. And sometimes we think we're called by God. We think, man, I'm called, great. God's called me to do these great things that I enjoy. God always calls us for his purpose. When he calls us, he's got a job for us to do and it's his job. And he knows why it needs to be done, when it needs to be done and why it's important. And so I'll understand that all things will work together when I understand that I am called according to his purpose. You know, I talk about God's plan for my life, but mostly I'm focused on my life way more than God's plan. And so we understand, we, we have more patience. We understand this is all about God's purpose for my life. My potential is in his purpose. It's not in mine. And, and in the next verse, God is real clear. Paul is real clear on what his purpose for my life is. So here's the good news. I don't know if you knew that this morning. All right. Every single person, you're going to walk out of here knowing God's exact plan for your life. You didn't know you were gonna get that, all right? If we'd have done, it'd have been packed out and you know, we never would've got anybody in here, all right? But here is God's plan for your life. For God knew his people in advance, and let me stop there, isn't that refreshing? God knew I was an idiot when he called me. He didn't get surprised by that. God knew I say things I shouldn't say, I do things I shouldn't do. God knew me in advance. He's not disappointed when I act like who I am. He says, for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them, here's God's plan for our life, to become like his son. That's God's purpose. That's how we achieve our potential in his kingdom. That's how we do the good things that he planned for us long ago. When we understand that God's plan for our life is really not about what we do, it's about who we are. And it's about making us like Jesus. And so there's a lot of things in our life that we wish weren't a part, but we don't understand. That's actually God putting things in our life to make us more like his son, to make us more like him. He is constantly developing us to be more like Jesus. And if I'll understand that what I'm going through right now is part of my development, it's gonna be a lot easier, not easy, but a lot easier to be patient. The second thing is this, and I think this is important. So we think development, not deliverance. We think fight not free. We want God's plan for our life to be free. Just kind of wrap it up, hand it to us. And I want to be clear here. Salvation is free, but our potential is a fight. All right. Salvation is free. We, we, we don't fight for it. We can't fight for it. All right. It's impossible to do. We'll mess ourselves up if we try, but our potential is a fight. And we're expecting God just to hand it to us 
then we lose perspective, we get impatient, we kind of stop somewhere on the way. God calls us to fight. And I think there's a, a great illustration of this. It's in Numbers. It's when the children of Israel got out of slavery, they went through the desert, they get to the edge of the promised land. And here's what's awesome. God actually gives them a preview day. He says, look, I'm gonna let you go into the land I've promised to you and I'm gonna let you scout it out. Can you imagine if God like gave you one day to say, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you go over and I'm gonna let you see the fulfillment of my plan for your life, like in your family and your job and in your finances or ministry or whatever it is, I'm gonna kind of let you see it. So they get to go see it and they come back and here's what they say. They tell Moses, this was their report to Moses. We entered the land that you sent us to explore and it is indeed a bountiful country. Now that's not really words I use a lot. So here's the way I think they said it. They came back and they're like, Moses, it's awesome. It is amazing. It, it is everything that you said it would be. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. I, I probably would have said milk and cookies, all right? It, it, it's, it's awesome. Like it's, the, it's amazing. Land flowing with milk and honey. And then they said, and they even got like the taste of it, experience it for a little bit. They were like, and here's the fruit that it produces. So, you know, they finally get to the edge, you know, potential is about to be realized. And they're experiencing God's plan for their life. And they're like, Moses, this is amazing. And then if you ever like reading a book and you accidentally flip too many pages at one time and you start reading and you're like, wait, I skipped something. What happened there? I missed a lot. That doesn't happen in this chapter, but it seems like it. Because look at what they say like five verses later in verse 32. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. What? Wait, you just told Moses how amazing it is. Like God brought you there and it's awesome. And now you're talking to them and it's a bad report. Here's the bad report they gave. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. Isn't that interesting? They're just saying how awesome it is. But then they're telling you, you don't understand, it's gonna kill you. It's, it's, it's gonna, it's, it's, it's terrible. Now, why is it? All the people we saw there were huge. We even saw the giants there, the descendants of Anak. He's a famous giant. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers and that's what they thought too. And look at the end of this story. Story begins with, we're gonna let you walk through God's plan for your life, see how amazing it is. Story ends with chapter 14, verse one. Then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. How do we get from awesome to devour to weeping aloud? Because they thought it was gonna be free and they didn't wanna fight. They walked into God's plan and they thought, man, I've walked through all this stuff. When I finally get there, isn't that what we think? When I finally get to where I wanna be, it's just gonna be so easy. It's just gonna be amazing. Everything's gonna be awesome. Everything's gonna come together. And God says, that's not true. There's still some battles that you gotta fight. And you've gotta to learn to fight those. You have gotta fight for your potential. If we don't expect a fight, we're gonna get disappointed and be crying all night and miss out on what God has for us. And so if we're gonna live our potential, we gotta fight. And so, I, you know, what does that mean in a kind of a spiritual context? Here's what I think kind of fighting for our potential means. First thing is this, remind yourself that God has a purpose for your life. There's gonna be times it's gonna get so bad, it's gonna be so hard, you're gonna to have to remind yourself, wait a minute, I am called according to his purpose. God has a plan for my life. I love, you know, we went back to Romans 8, 28 and we skipped this verse. 
Romans 8.20 starts off with, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good. Can I tell you the truth? I don't know that every day. I have to remind myself. I have to remind myself, God, as hard as it is right now, God's got a plan for my life and God never fails. As much as this hurts, God's got a plan for my life and God never fails. One of the ways that we fight for our potential in God is we remind ourselves that we have potential in God and that God's got a plan for our life. Second thing is this, just don't quit. Just don't quit. And in fact, I would say this, even if you feel like you're going through the motions, at least you're in motion. Just don't quit. Just, you know, if you don't know how to make it through today, man, just do the best you can make it through today and worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah, you know, I thought about uh, my, my oldest son plays football. He'll be here in the next service. So I'll really get to embarrass him then. I'm looking forward to that. And so, um, but, so he, he's a senior and plays football, loves him. And I've loved watching him play football his senior year. Got two unnecessary roughness penalties. I, I'm so proud as a dad that, you know, just when your dad's, when your son's the middle linebacker, I had to apologize to my dad because I'll be at the games and they're calling his name out with all the tackles he's making. And people are coming up to me and being like, man, you're so proud, he did awesome. And I'm like, dad, I'm sorry, you had none of that. You just sat through the cold. And so, um, so he's, you know, he's had a great year, but, Watching that, my mind went back. I remember he was about second, third grade, went out to play football, played in this little league, did awesome, running around, scoring touchdowns, doing all this kind of stuff. And then I went to watch him uh, one year at a summer camp, which I was thinking how different that is. I'm watching him as a camp. I was just hoping my dad remembered to pick me up from practice, all right? And so, um, so I'm watching his camp and it's the first time he got his bell rung. And they're doing a tackling drill and he's in about third grade and this kid puts his helmet under his chin, man, his head snaps back and he's flat on his back and he went back in line and then they took a break and I was holding his water. So he comes up and sits next to me and uh, I could see he had little tears in his eyes and he wasn't gonna say anything, but he was ready for me to say, "You, you wanna go home? And he'd have gone in a heartbeat. But I knew if he went home then, he'd have trouble coming back. And I just said, I don't know what I said. We just kind of talked and they blew the whistle and all right, son, you need to go on out there. You know, I think there's times, and look, there's no shame in this. And not that I know there's times in each of our lives where our eyes well up with tears, real or spiritual. And if we could sit next to God, we're just waiting for him to say, hey, you may make everything better. But if he did, we wouldn't be who God called us to be. We'd never develop the strength We'd never gain the wisdom. We'd never get the experience. And in those times where we feel like, man, we just want to quit. If we will just keep, it's not even about doing the right thing. It's about doing something. Don't quit. The third thing is this, take action. Man, just just face whatever it is we need to face. And you know what I usually need to face? I need to face myself. Usually when I need to take action, the action needs to happen right here in my heart. Just address what's going on. And the fourth thing is this, man, just pray. The way we fight, I think the greatest thing we can do to fight for our potential is just to pray. And it's okay if we're praying the same thing over and over and over again. Some prayers never stop. In fact, I'll say this, when God answers your prayer, that answered prayer is gonna turn into another prayer because something's gonna go wrong with that. All right, there's no point to end. And it's okay if we just pray over and over and over. But if I'm gonna live God's potential for my life, I'm gonna have to learn to fight for it. The third thing is this, we think development, not deliverance. Think fight, not free. And the third thing is think seed, not small. Think seed, not small. And sometimes we're facing something so big, so difficult that we look at what we could do and we think, man, how can that make any difference? 
that is so small. Maybe you feel that about yourself. You just feel like I am so insignificant. You feel like a mustard seed. You can't see that you could ever be a tree. But you just think, man, that is so small. If we think small, we'll always get small. But if we think it's not small, it's a seed. And a seed can turn into something. That word can turn into something. That time can turn into something. You know, I thought, I asked them to bring a bike up here. You know, Pastor Mike, I think, talked about either last week or the week before that with 320 coming up, one of the things we're all giving towards and one of the projects that'll go towards is we are sending 600 of these bikes to the Lake Charles and DeRitter area for Christmas presents for families who were affected by the hurricanes. And look, that sounds awesome, but part of it doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, think about it. You're living in a house, two storms came through, devastated their house, nowhere to live, lost their business, future uncertain, all these crazy things are going on and we're gonna send you a 16 inch. But if we look at it that way, it'll never make a difference. But if we look at it as a seed, see, I don't know if you know this, but what we did is we partnered with a couple churches in this area, probably no kid or family that gets these bikes will know Healing Place Church had anything to do with it because we want the churches in that area to get the credit. And so what we're praying for and be praying for it as we give next week, be praying for this, is that some family that's gone through just terrible tragedy and doesn't have the money to do Christmas for their kids will be able to give them this and then they'll understand that the church down the road that I never visited bless my family at our worst time. And in January, they're gonna show up at that church and the word's gonna be preached and the spirit of God is gonna be there and it's gonna touch a mom and dad's heart. And those parents are gonna come down. They're gonna give their lives to Jesus Christ and generations will be changed because we planted a seed in that family. It's not small, it's a seed. God has called us to go to Ascension Parish. It's, we're gonna bless, it's gonna bless thousands of people but it's gonna cost, I don't know, millions of dollars. And I'm not ashamed of that, but here's what I know. Man, Ashley and I, our family, we can't make a dent in that. I wish I could write whatever that building costs. I wish I could just write that check. I can't. And if I see my portion as small, which it's gonna be, I mean, it's gonna be small, but if I see it as small, it'll always be small. But if I say, you know, I'm gonna plant a seed in Ascension Parish and I'm gonna plant a seed in somebody else's family, but I'm gonna believe where I'm gonna reap it in my family and God's gonna do something great. You know, maybe you're facing something and it just seems so huge. And one of the things that holds us back is we look for a solution instead of planting a seed. We wait until we have the plan. We wait until we can do something that makes everything better. And the truth is that never comes. We wait for the solution. But if we'll just understand, I'm just gonna plant a seed of just speaking a kind word to somebody because I never know what that'll mean to their life. I'm gonna plant a seed of just spending time with this person that needs it. And I may walk away and feel like nothing happened there, but it planted a seed in their life that can grow into something. My finances are a wreck, but you know what? I'm gonna start tithing. I'm gonna start, just make one wise decision with my finances. And it's not gonna fix everything, but it's just gonna plant a seed right there. And I know that God has called me to do this huge thing and I don't even know how I start it or where I go, but I'm not gonna wait for the plan to develop. I'm not gonna look at this one action as small. I'm gonna look at this one action as a seed. And I'll just take one action and I'll believe that God will give it the former rain and the latter rain and I'll be patient 
and it's gonna grow into something. And I wanna encourage you. I don't know what is going on in your life this morning and you don't have the solution for it, but just ask God, Lord, how can I just begin to plant a seed? Seed of kindness, seed of love, seed of patience, a, a, a seed of faith. And maybe you're here this morning and you feel insignificant. You feel like you could never make a difference. I wanna encourage you, see yourself as a seed. And you may feel the smallest of all seeds planted in a field, but God is gonna make you into the largest. What do we believe in 320? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or imagine. And let me give you this good news, because this is what it's all about. If you'll see yourself as a seed, it doesn't stop with the tree that grows. What happens next? The birds of the air that had nowhere to rest, they're gonna find healing in your life. They're gonna find rest in your life because of what you went through, because you saw your life as a seed and you didn't quit when you felt small. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.